Want a job where you can use your talents, make a difference, and have the freedom of remote work? Then meet Belay. Belay has contractor opportunities for proven professionals, providing administrative support and social media strategy to fast-paced organizations throughout the United States, all from your home. To learn more, just visit belaysolutions.com slash jobs to apply. That's B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash jobs. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 3 of Persian Girl Podcast. We are here today with... Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Ladana Haridi. I'm a board-certified psychiatrist here in the L.A. and Orange County area, and I'm so humbled and honored to be a guest on the show today at Persian Girl Podcast. Thank you. We're so excited to have you on. So before we got on air, we were talking a little bit about the podcast, and you were being so kind and praising us um, for the impact we've had in the Persian community, but we wanted to hear how you found out about the podcast and, like, your initial reactions. I I would love to answer that. Um, so I'm completely unfiltered when it comes to my answers. The, the real truth about it is um, I was actually going through a time in my career and my personal life where I was feeling like you know, the struggles I was facing was maybe because I'm Persian, maybe because there was like a cultural misunderstanding between myself and the other party. And I'm talking at work, I'm talking in my personal life. And I was like, how come no one has started a podcast about, like, how come no one has like a blog or a YouTube channel about the struggles of being Persian? And I'm just on Spotify getting ready to drive from Orange County back to LA and I type in Persian like looking for like a good Persian playlist and I noticed that Persian girl podcast comes up on my search and I think that you guys were only like two episodes in at this time and I'm like oh my god this is so cool this is so exciting and I I didn't even feel that drive from Orange County back to LA it was like nothing so then every single week that would go by I'm like refreshing refreshing like waiting for the next episode that's how I found you guys can can I just say I want to praise my co-host right now um because I was listening to our first episode again when I was at work for like the first time in a while and other than the fact that I was horrified by the sound of my own voice and the things that (laughs) I was talking about um Millie mentioned Hi, we're Persian Girl Podcast. Uh, we're not sure if this is our official name yet, but this is us for now. We just wanted to start the podcast already. And when we started, I remember we were discussing, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's too basic. Like, maybe we should, like, make it more interesting. And Millie's like, no, like, it should be Persian Girl Podcast because, like, people can just search Persian Girl and they'll find us. Yeah. And, like, if that's what they're looking for, then that's what they're going to search and I'm like, okay, fine, you're right. And now I've just been hearing more and more of people saying, I just searched Persian or Persian girl and found you guys. And like, it's crazy. Thank you, Millie. <laughs> no. Genius it's idea right there. Marketing. <laughs> I 
think Zoe should be in marketing. That was a brilliant marketing move for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I just thought of like the SEO when I thought of the name and like, I don't know, the alliteration. I really am not good at anything related to marketing. (laughs) This is like, I'm a one trick pony. (laughs) Really, really. Um, But that's, you know, actually, I think it was our first guest or one of our first guests. And that was the same thing. She had found it through searching it on Spotify. So. Um, just get in that get in that moment where you just need someone to hold your hand and you type out Persian and it pops <laughs> up, saves you. <laughs> I'm so happy that you found us. Um, I guess now that you told us how you found us, you can tell us more about yourself. Sure. So um, I am a I'm, so I'm MD. I'm a psychiatrist, board certified psychiatrist. I was born and raised in Orange County. Went to undergrad at UCI, like so many Persians, and then. Um, found my way in the Midwest for med school. I went to Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, and that was tough being one of, like, maybe five Persians in the Midwest at the time, and then got myself um, back over to California. I went to residency at USC. I met my husband there my first year, my intern year, and um, after residency, I now work you know in a couple different practices at a couple different hospitals between LA and Orange County and um, I actually uh, specialize in women's mental health which I take a lot of pride in because women are you know they're very underserved in medicine so it was really important to me that um, after residency that's where my focus goes to is uh, addressing the very, very serious and real issues that females specifically deal with because we deal with very, uh, we have a very different experience of depression and anxiety and mood disorders and um, the treatment is kind of different and the way we react to treatment is different and I wanted to be one of those providers where um, I'm very well versed in that and I feel comfortable treating that and that females can feel comfortable coming to me and discussing their issues. Um, I think I'm one of the very few providers right now in Southern California that does that, and I just kind of, I got really lucky that USC had uh, one of those experts who was able to uh, train me, and I was able to work under her, and I still talk to her and consult with her on difficult cases, um, and that's where I am right now. That sounds amazing. Like, every, I, you're so accomplished. I'm like... We feel we feel so little. You're like praising us, but we're we're actually praising you on the other end. But oh, as I as I talk to the founders of Persian Girl Podcast, no, please, no, my face is bright red right now. I know my face the fact is that so like cool. everything that you've done, the fact that like two minutes ago, like I guess the listeners can know that most of the guests we have on, we speak to them before we're on air, and two minutes ago you're just like praising us, and I'm like. Who are we? Like, yeah. Not praising, being completely honest. And that's what I need to work with you guys on is like, you guys are so amazing. Not praising. I'm just being completely raw and honest. And that <laughs> you're changing lives, girls. You really are. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I was curious, like, about your uh, field of psychiatry. Like, exactly how does that differentiate? Sorry if this is a dumb question, but how does that differentiate no, no, from no, other no. psychiatrists? So no such thing as a, as a dumb question. Please feel free to ask anything. Um, I'm an open book. So, so psychiatry, I think, um, and for our Farsi speakers, Dabon Pizish. So the the difference when you hear psychiatry, I think a lot of people think of like Sigmund Freud and like. Um, 
therapy and talk therapy. And the way that my practice is a little bit different is that I'm more medication management. And Mm -hmm. um, I also, we also do a lot of procedures as well in psychiatry. So, um, you know, we have the Hollywood depictions of electroconvulsive therapy, which is shock therapy. Um, I actually do a lot of that, and it's not like in the movies. It's actually not as grotesque and horrible and scary. It's actually really, um, really a good experience for patients. Um, so, you know, I trained as a doctor. I, I did all of the same rotations as my husband, who's a, who's a plastic surgeon. So I know how to deliver a baby, and I, you know, I know the basics of medicine and went through all of that. But my field, specifically psychiatry, I do medication management. I also do therapy in my private practice, but um, not quite as much because, again, most of my training was medication management. And um, between different psychiatrists, I think what sets my practice apart is, again, that focus on women's mental health and the fact that I feel comfortable doing procedures for people that don't respond to medication or don't want to be on medication. Um, There's all sorts of new uh, procedures out there for people that you know either can't take medication or don't want to, and um, we can always get into those a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not. So no, no, that did answer. Thank you. So you're saying like I didn't know that honestly. This was still commonly practiced, but like you, you can do. Oh shoot. Um. Sorry, I just got another call. Um, but oh, it's just my dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one's special. <laughs> um, but so, like, how serious is this shock therapy? Like, I don't, I don't know. Is mm. it like a mild? Could you explain why? I mean, I don't, I'm just kind of curious. And that's a great terrified. question. That's <laughs> a great question. Sounds. No, no, that's a great question. It does sound very scary. And um, the reason why I initially was really interested in shock therapy is while we don't do it very much in California for a lot of political reasons, where I trained in the Midwest, I mean, we were shocking everybody and their mother. I mean, we were doing like 20 to 40 cases of shock therapy, like three days a week. You know, and the reason that we um, do shock therapy is essentially we induce a seizure in someone. Um, historically, what uh, doctors had had realized was that, um, and and, I, and and I'll actually skip through all the history. I'm not going to bore you guys with all that. But pretty much, we're inducing a seizure in people that have treatment-resistant depression, treatment-resistant bipolar, and schizophrenia. And um, through a series of these treatments done under anesthesia and done about um, three days a week for a couple weeks, and then we space it out, slowly come down on, you know, the number of treatments per week um, to a maintenance phase that people that were not doing well on antidepressants or people that weren't responding to mood stabilizers, they're all these cocktails of medications. They just keep bouncing in and out of the hospital. They're not able to keep a job. They're not able to function at you know any level that we need them to function at. They actually miraculously get better. The reason why I was really interested in it was not just because of where I trained, but also um, in Iran and 
in a lot of countries outside of the United States, shock therapy is very, very popularly implemented, um, and it's very effective. And I have a lot of theories about why it's not so popular. I think one of them is because of how Hollywood depicts shock therapy and how scary it makes it look, but it's actually not that scary. And in my opinion, a lot of the side effects that we get from using traditional medications and psychiatry are a lot scarier than shock therapy. I mean, shock therapy is safe. It's really mostly utilized from a very, from a very um, elderly patient. So, you know, the 65 and older category, um, pregnant patients that can't take medications because they're pregnant, they'll go through shock therapy and they're very successful in their treatment. Um, and that's kind of where I, where I went into it. And um, it's, very underutilized in California, but very popular outside of California. And, um, you know, hopefully the day will come where it's more embraced because it's really effective. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, um, mostly because a lot of people who do go on medication, one of um, one of the bigger complaints I heard from, like, anyone I know that's been on medication is the fact that it kind of takes the personality out of you. Like, yeah, like maybe you're not depressed anymore or you're not schizophrenic or you're not this or you're not that, but you also just feel like you're constantly numb and like life mm-hmm. kind of loses its color. So like, I guess this shock therapy helps you while not numbing you completely. But I don't know. Sorry, I'm going to be the skeptic here. I just like, I can't seem to find anything healthy or positive coming out of having a seizure because I know that you know that does have an impact on you mentally and physically and neurologically I know that it you kind of lose brain cells when you have a seizure um so I don't know like I don't know how that is reconciled no that's a great point that is a great point and um the way that we explain it, the way that we understand it is for people that have severe schizophrenia and severe depression and bipolar and they can't respond well to med- excuse me, they can't respond well to medication is that they are also it, essentially the longer they stay in that state of, you know, schizophrenia, bipolar depression, um, they they are setting themselves for serious health consequences. So it's kind of balancing the risks and benefits over one over the other. Um People with severe depression end up having serious heart issues down the line. People that have schizophrenia and bipolar that's untreated, they're setting themselves for, ooh, like a huge myriad of health complications. And the medications that we use for bipolar and schizophrenia, to be honest with you, oftentimes are not that great. The side effects are horrible. And um, particularly in schizophrenia, we're essentially creating diabetes because those medications make patients gain weight. Um, you know, independent of how much or how little they're eating. So uh, seizures are not to be taken lightly, certainly. But when you're kind of balancing the um, the reality of the mood disorder and if they can't respond to medication versus um, a procedure that induces a seizure, then that's where shock therapy comes into place. Now, that actually leads me to another interesting topic. I don't know if you guys have heard of TMS therapy, transcranial magnetic stimulation therapy, which mm-hmm. is something newer. Um, so, so that's so people that like the idea of a procedure but don't like the idea of a, of a seizure, and they don't like the idea of 
having to go under anesthesia, which is really scary. Yeah, I was going to um, just quickly also say, like, yeah. if the treatments are so often, I mean, I know it's not a long-term treatment, but even short-term, three times a week for several That's weeks scary. or months and under anesthetics, I know that it's really unhealthy to use yeah. anesthetics that frequently. Yeah, it is so. really, really scary. I mean, just, like, the constipation after anesthesia, like, geez, like that, you know, and I, I guess psychiatrists talk about constipation, like, it's no big deal, yeah. um, because we create it with our medications all the time, yeah. but, um, you know, one thing that if, you know, there are listeners out there who are interested in a procedure, but they don't like the idea of ECT, um, there's TMS which is, again, transcranial magnetic stimulation. And that's, um, you don't have to be under anesthesia. There's no downtime. And that's more like a powerful electromagnet that sends pulses into a part of your of your brain. And um, it works with your brain, and, and there's no surgery, there's no sedation. You can resume regular activity immediately after the session. And this is more like a four- to eight-week um, set of procedures and they run about 30 to 60 minutes You're, we have Netflix running for patients while they're undergoing it and, and it's just pulses going to a part of your brain um, it's FDA cleared, it's non-invasive it's very well tolerated by patients um, patients of all ages patients with all sorts of mood disorders they do really well with it um, and that's, that's right now becoming a huge, huge resource for patients who Otherwise, really, their only option was shock therapy. So um, that tends to be a a lot better tolerated, too. Do you think, um, does that also treat anxiety or panic disorders? It can, yeah. It's, um, right now, it's more so we use it for people who have um, treatment-resistant depression. But if you think about it, anxiety and panic disorder, it puts you into depression. We're using the same medication. For yeah. all three of these mood disorders. So, I think that's like um, one of the things yeah. that bothers me most about um, like just how panic and anxiety disorders are categorized in the medical field and how they're treated in general. Mm-hmm. Um, like the only solution, it's like it's always bridged under depression. And like I've seen multiple therapists and like they they I don't know it's what so one of them was like oh you know these are these are symptoms of depression and I'm like I don't really feel depressed though I just have like really bad anxiety and she's yeah. like well I don't know what to tell you do you want to take Xanax and I'm like no oh. and she's like do you want to take antidepressants and I'm like no <laughs> I mean she wasn't a psychiatrist she like told me to go to someone but I mean I never I'm scared to take medications because like they're just they sound I mean, I just live with it. I would, I would never do any of these treatments. <laughs> no offense. But, I mean, I just no, I don't have a severe it. enough case, I think. I think that's, like, for... But what pisses you off more? The fact that it's just in like, the medical like, oh, field, they... It's depression or something. Like, does it piss you off more than the medical field? They say, like, oh, it's depression? Or I think it's more annoying that, like, if you tell your Persian parents about it, they're like, okay, go make yourself some tea in that butt and, like, get over it. <laughs> yeah. They just see... I, I feel like a lot of, like not just middle eastern parents but a lot of foreign parents like anxiety attacks and like panic attacks or anything like that they're just like oh you're doing this to yourself you're freaking yourself out like just get over it you know what bothers me is when they say you're being ungrateful 
<laughs> you're being ungrateful. I swear that that that's the one. Like if you're anxious or you're panicked about something, they're like, oh, you're being ungrateful. God's going to punish you. And it's like, no, but I have the right to feel these feelings. That's literally the worst thing to say to someone who's already like going through something to make them feel like they're the one causing it to themselves and they're the one being bad. Like telling right. them that God's going to punish them for feeling the way they feel. One of the major issues that, um, and I think that's why I'm very popular with my Persian patients, is because the cultural implications of depression and anxiety, um, they're very real and very, very present. And uh, stand in the way of treatment, to be quite honest with you. It's like this guilt and this shame that I'm not supposed to feel this way. My life is good. I have a good family. I have a good job. I'm in school. I'm not starving to death in India, I don't have the right to feel depressed or anxious when in actuality you're still a human being and you have every right to feel what you feel. And when you accept that and you embrace that, then that's the start to recovery. That doesn't necessarily mean medication, um, but it does mean calling it what it is. And if you don't feel like it's depression and you feel like it's anxiety, then your provider needs to be on the road with you with that and not fight with you on that or feel offended that you disagree with their diagnosis. Oh, no, um, that never I'm happened really sorry to me. To hear that. No, 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 okay. no. She, she wasn't like, I mean, I don't know. This was a few years ago that that happened. She wasn't like saying that i mean she just at one point like suggested that i may need to consider that like i might like just be dep like depressed mm, and i see like it was just maybe chemical or something at the time because that at this point in my life like everything was going fine i was in school like i was ha i don't know i felt happy but then i like would i couldn't get out of bed and i was like severely depressed but then i found out i had like mold poisoning and candida <laughs> so, oh my god so i actually i have like <laughs> yeah so i i think that um i don't know it's not really studied a lot but i think that um if you have like an excess of fungal activity or mold in your body for mold exposure i think that actually has psychiatric effects and a lot yeah. of people have been exposed to mold um, yeah. And I don't think this is like this has been really looked into enough and or maybe it has and I just like don't have the um, access to uh, the, st st the cases or so whatever. It, but, it, um, I, I totally validate you. On so that, I've though, diagnosed myself poisoning from my childhood home. Fog. And yeah, you get brain fog and fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyways. I'm so sorry you went through that. Oh my no, gosh. Are you I, well now? Are you okay now? Natalie, what do you think? <laughs> it's Millie well. <laughs> I don't know if well is the word no, to use I, for Millie. A few years ago, I was really bad, but like, oh. I'm, I'm okay. I think, I think since Millie moved to New York, I've seen a change in her, for sure. Oh. Um, I think sometimes being in a certain environment can also cause a lot of issues yeah and i feel like leaving her past environment and coming here has been really great for her <laughs> also i think the podcast has been a type of therapy for us as well mm -hmm. i think it helps mm -hmm. us like like you're saying we're helping so many people but i feel like it helps us as well like that's part of why Aww. we started it yeah and also it's i want to take a moment for people who are listening like i hope that you don't feel like any of like what we're talking about will make you feel more comfortable and validated and like it's not strange if you 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Actually, can you? I'm not really relatable. <laughs> Millie's, Millie's trying to find the words. Um, I think what she's maybe trying to say is anyone who, like, if anyone ever tells them, like, oh, you shouldn't feel this way or you're causing this to yourself to, like, know that, like, it's okay to, like, go. Yeah, basically, we're search normalizing for mental yourself. health. Um, you're fine. You're not a freak. We're not, I don't think we're freaks. depends who you ask um but i do i do want to know why you chose to go into this field um because i think we talk a lot about the type of fields that typically persian girls will go into in this generation and i feel like not that many people are going into mental health especially because in our community like i think most persian parents see psychiatrists and psychologists as kind of like bullshit in a way and a waste of money and a waste of time and they see mental health as like oh you can change your own mentality and you can make yourself happy and like so i kind of want to know like when you decided to go into this number one what pushed you towards it how your parents felt um so, so like maybe girls that are listening and are thinking of going into it will instead of listening to their parents who are telling them that it's a waste of this many years of college So that's a great question, Um, and I agree with you. The stigma in our community is so heavy and so hard in terms of mental health, and, you know, are we witch doctors? Is it black magic? (laughs) Doctoring, you know, Um, like pseudo-medicine. And um, so, and again, I I go back to Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. I was, um, have you guys seen the show uh, House? Yeah, um, I love House. So, so House, Dr. House was actually based on a uh, psychosomatic consult liaison psychiatrist from Creighton University. This was a real person. Um, and psychosomatic medicine, psychiatric medicine, is a, a branch of psychiatry where we have physical manifestations of psychiatric issues. So, for instance, um, with the struggle that you had with mold exposure and how that affected you in terms of brain fog and your inability to concentrate or have attention and these symptoms of depression, it, it turned out that these mental symptoms were traced back to a physical ailment. And that's what CNL psychiatry is. It's, um, you know, I, I practice CNL psychiatry at Mission Hospital in Laguna Beach. And uh, I'm seeing patients in the ICU setting. I'm seeing kind of mystery cases where patients have these physical ailments that are not explained by medicine. And they've had the full head-to-toe workup. They've had every scan under the sun, every type of blood test under the sun. And then it turns out that it's, it's more psychiatrically based, but it's coming out physically. So where I trained, the culture for CNL psychiatry was really strong. Internal medicine, surgery, and psychiatry, those departments had a very special relationship in the hospital. And my mentor, Dr. Paula Jo Malin, who we, her nickname was Dr. Barbie because she looked and talked and was as perfect as Barbie in a white doctor's coat. Um, She was my mentor. We were, we had um, like the most number of psychiatrists coming out of med school every year at graduation. Like that's that's how heavy and um, celebrated psychiatry was in our program. So that that's where I ended up going to med school. But when I started med school, my attitude was I'm going to be a, a surgeon or I'm going to be a 
primary care doctor, an ER doctor, and very quickly fell in love with psychiatry. And I felt like um, the days when I would go to those lectures or I would go to that environment to practice, I was the best version of myself that I could ever imagine to me. I, I was the Ladan who six-year-old Ladan wanted to grow up to be. Mm. I didn't see that version of me in other specialties. In fact, I was extremely depressed during my ob and surgery rotations. And to be honest with you, I'm like mortified of the sight of blood and I did not enjoy doing surgery at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ironically, I ended up marrying a surgeon who cuts into people's faces and does it quite well. Um, but... It was, I think it was difficult for my dad to accept that I was going into psychiatry um, because also at that time, um, which would have been, oh my God, I hate to admit how, it wasn't that long ago, but it was like, you know, it was um, like seven, eight years ago, nine years ago when I made this decision, he had the expectation that I'd be an ER doctor and that like all of his friends and all of his family would come to me about like sore throats and like (laughs) growths on their skin. Like this was the expectation and um, so blessed that my family supported me in med school and you know I, I couldn't have gone to med school without my family support, without my dad saying, yes, I financially back you obtain your dreams so it was hard um but when I explained to him why I wanted to be a psychiatrist and when he saw again in the culture of Creighton University that medicine and psychiatry are not two separate things the brain is in fact part of the body and that um my my take on psychiatry is I have to know everything about your physical well-being. I need to know every single medication that you're on and every single surgery that you've ever had um, and your whole family's medical history for me to even begin to understand your psychiatric issues. Because he saw that, I think that that's what made him actually very excited. By the time that I walked at graduation, he was actually very excited about it. And um, I matched at USC and did my residency at LA County. And again, the... um, the CNL Consult Liaison Psychosomatic program there is also has a very special relationship with internal medicine and the surgery departments because they count on us to make their jobs easier and doable because the psychiatric issues and the physical issues, they become one. Um, so at first he was reluctant, and then as he saw what I was doing, he he really embraced it and my parents also saw how incredibly happy I was and how proud I was to do what I do and the impact that I'm making on people's lives and the helps that were very very well paid in especially in California I mean the demand is outrageous um mm-hmm. any med student that you know reaches out to me saying like what has been your experience as a psychiatrist I'm like for one thing you got job security I mean you have your pick of what you want to do. You are not going to have any challenges getting a job outside of residency. Um, So that's also been really nice that we're also very well compensated for what we do. And life is not about money, but money does make it possible to live in California and to provide like a decent lifestyle for your family. So it's, um, you know, the people are embracing it and people are you know, begging for uh, an appointment with a psychiatrist because now more than ever we live in a society where burnout is real, anxiety is debilitating, and people are not even able to keep their jobs because of their depression and anxiety, and they just need somebody to help them function again. Um, but that's that's that was my 
route to getting to where I am, and oh, I wouldn't change it. If I had to do it all over again, I I would choose psychiatry again and again and again. Even if it wasn't well compensated, I would choose it again and again because it makes me so happy. Wow, that's such a powerful story, like narrative of how you got here. Um, it's been good. <laughs> what I wanted to ask was, did you ever prior to med school did you ever suffer with any like mental health problems mm-hmm. Or... Mm-hmm. yeah because oh, yeah. most people I, I know personally who went into any similar field it's because originally they were trying to help themselves right no I, I love that question thank you for bringing up that question because it also I think a lot of patients when they walk into psychiatry like they don't see that the psychiatrist is just as human as you and yeah. like we understand. Um, I think that I have always suffered from anxiety. I think we're just an anxious people. <laughs> yeah, general, I think my the husband. Persian race is just an extremely anxious one. <laughs> yeah, like if you ever look at your Persian anxious. grandma, I don't think there's anything more anxious than a no, Persian grandmother. it's like the epitome. Like you open up the Bible of psychiatry, which is the DSM-5, and like there's a picture of your female relative on that page. <laughs> um, but I always have had anxiety ever since I can remember. I think I had my first panic attack when I was in the sixth grade. I actually have like a mental photo in my head of my first panic attack. And again, thank God for my mom and my dad and my brother and how supportive they are. Like I think my, my dad like drove me to the ER like twice when I was in undergrad with a panic attack to make sure I wasn't having a heart attack. Yeah, and been there. Yeah. Yep, yep. The ER visits. We've all been there. The ER visits where they're like, take a van, I feel be okay. And they're like, I swear, but my heart's going to stop and I'm going to die. Um, so I think that because my parents saw that I was anxious, they also like, they also embraced that psychiatry is real. And I had a lot of like test anxiety, like right before every exam. Um, I had so much anxiety. Like I my hate brain exam. would just shut down. I mean, just the sight of a high school campus will trigger me. Like, for someone who had so much anxiety in school, I chose to stay in school for as long as possible, which is really odd. Um, Yeah, wow. Yeah, and I think we all, as females, like, also struggle with our body images, and um, so, you know, that has consequences, and I, I was just, I've just always been anxious, and my husband very lovingly refers to me as a little ball of stress. Um, <laughs> I think that I have some level of OCD. I'm, like, very clean, very organized. They drive him crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely coming from that background as well. I should be medicated. I don't medicate myself. <laughs> but sometimes I genuinely think that I should be. Um that's a pretty honest answer and I'm, I'm really glad you guys asked that question though because well, we your psychiatrists understand what you're talking about when you describe your struggles day to day they've all been there too yeah well thank you for being so honest yeah we really oh, appreciate the honesty of course um so you said that your husband is a surgeon what kind of surgeries does he perform <laughs> like so yeah, I, I, got really lucky. Out I got really lucky because let's face it, we as Iranians love plastic surgery, and I met and married a plastic surgeon. It's been wonderful. <laughs> I just got my nose done three months ago, not by him, but by his boss and his mentor, and who he's going to be working alongside quite a bit after residency. Um, 
I don't know if I can make a plug for his Instagram. I'm very proud of him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. We're, the, we're yeah, the type of podcast that doesn't mind plugs. We're all about it. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll plug him. John Larson, MD, is his handle. It's L-A-R-S-O-N. He's a plastic surgeon at USC. He's graduating in June and going into private practice. And I'm so proud of him. And um, what's, what's also really cute is that when we when we first started dating, we also bonded over a patient. Visit Hellsberg.com for safe and easy ways to shop this holiday, like free shipping and returns, virtual shopping appointments, or buy online and pick up in store. And right now, get a free Microsoft Surface Go 2 with the purchase of $1,499 or more. You gift, you get. Limited time offer while supplies last. See online or in store for details. Visit Hellsberg.com for safe and easy ways to shop this holiday, like free shipping and returns, virtual shopping appointments, or buy online and pick up in store. And right now, get a free Microsoft Surface Go 2 with the purchase of $1,499 or more. You gift, you get. Limited time offer while supplies last. See online or in store for details. <laughs> he was having trouble taking care of in the hospital because of, you know, psychiatric issues. So um, plastic surgeons and psychiatrists, we, we work alongside each other quite a bit. And, yeah, I can um, imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Um, and, and I myself, after my rhinoplasty, I, you know, got to experience like a, a minor case. I think it was minor because I was expecting it to happen, but a minor case of post-surgical blues which is like a mild form of depression. Um, so I got to experience that. And, you know, John, after seeing what that was like, I think he's been very mindful to ask his patients after their surgery, hey, like, how are you feeling, though? Like, are you sleeping okay? How is that affecting you on a day-to-day basis? Um, I think that's that amazing doctor. that you get to give that insight to your husband yeah. and have him talk to his patients that way because I feel like a lot of plastic surgeons – can be very insensitive um i know personally yeah. after my breast augmentation uh which i had two years ago um when i came in after a few months because you have to every few months after the surgery you have to come in for the doctor to check your breasts how they're sitting if they're like forming well how your body's reacting to whatever type of implant you got making sure that your body's not rejecting it he started looking at the rest of my face and the rest of my body and he's like oh well you know i can also do a touch up here and i can fix that and if you want this done and i was like i didn't come to you for any of that like (laughs) this is so like i did not ask for that at all and i was just like i'm good i'm happy with everything else thank you for the boobs but (laughs) get the fuck away from my face he needed a down payment for a test, but yeah. completely insensitive and completely <laughs> oh, unprofessional, by the way. I'm so sorry. My, no. my, he was a great surgeon, though. I have to say yeah. I love the job that he did in regards yeah. to my breasts, but I was just like, please stay away from the rest of me. Like, I didn't... <laughs> if, if I wanted anything else done, I would have told you. Like, that was so not necessary. Oh, boy, that's really fun. Yeah, I mean, we joke around quite a bit in medicine that... um surgeons are kind of psychopaths I mean they are they're cutting they're cutting into faces and like they're like totally fine with it joke around that John is kind of a psychopath with that too it's like wait how do you do that though wait it's so it's so so funny that you say that because um I guess on the podcast I don't know if 
like recently i think in the beginning millie and i spoke more about our personal lives and dating lives and whatnot Mm -hmm. but as time went on we had more guests on so it was like less time for us to trash talk ourselves (laughs) um (laughs) but recently i matched with this guy on hinge and he was telling Uh me how he's in med school and how he's gonna be a surgeon and basically i was like like what do you do in your free time and he's like oh i mostly cut into people i'm like well wow you sound like a serial killer and he's like (laughs) he's like like, i swear i'm not a serial killer i'm like you Uh... he literally said he's like i really enjoy surgery and i i'm like okay so you really enjoy holding a knife and cutting into people like Uh, that is so good to know about you honestly he should probably like maybe read a couple books like maybe watch a couple movies expand his interest a little bit that that's not charming at all oh good luck to him (laughs) yeah that's really disturbing find another hobby i just kept picking on him though i'm like listen theater i don't know like what's up with that he's like i swear i'm not a serial killer he's like i swear like Mm -hmm. he's like i smell really nice i'm like what i'm I'm like I'm, I'm sure Charles Manson also smelled really great or whatever is that what? that's oh, his name right guy. Charles Manson no what's his name that serial killer oh, um the the guy that <sighs> Manson what's his first name oh, yeah Charles Charles. Charles. Yeah, Charles okay Charles John who's that serial killer who killed a bunch of women Ted Bundy Ted Bundy <laughs> yes thank you there you go yeah yes i'm sure ted i mean ted bundy was also extremely charming yeah like he was handsome charming so like this guy was trying to give me all these like reasons why he's not a serial killer i'm like listen like there's so many charming serial killers out there oh red flag has been waved i mean the the other day my husband was describing like somebody to me he's like yeah he's really charming but not in a serial killer way. Because that's the first thing you think of when, like, a psychopath is charming. No, girl, I don't know. That's a big red flag. Are you sure he wasn't joking? Uh, what if he was being facetious? Oh, okay. No? Also, I don't know because everything that he writes to me sounds right. like it might be. Tense. You're still talking to him. Maybe he's yeah. never dated a girl before. He's been studying so long to get to be a surgeon. He actually has zero social skills. But maybe I'm the one with the problem. I'm still talking to no, him. No, no. No, 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 you're not the one with the problem. He, sorry if you're listening out there, but it would probably be a good idea to socialize more with females, like in person, not when they're unconscious on the operating room table. Oh my God. God. I feel so bad for this guy right now. I'm sorry. I I don't really feel bad for him though. I kind of just think it's hilarious. Oh my God. Honestly, I tell, um, I always tell guys, like, I haven't gone on a date in the longest time. I hate first dates. Like, I I go on, like, maybe two a year just to meet my quota and say that I tried. Um, (laughs) But when I do talk to guys on these apps, like, usually it's only for a day or two and automatically lose interest. But I always mention the podcast because I always want to be completely upfront and, like, have people know that this is what I do. And... A huge question is like oh like are you gonna talk about me like no you're not that special i'm not gonna talk about you but this That's guy he is special he deserved a show <laughs> he is an interesting human being oh he's um, so entertaining no he fits i mean it's probably it's bad luck for him that i'm on the podcast and <laughs> i can point out that he's saying psychopathic things a little bit so. but also i'm so confused by him because his instagram like 
I I put my podcast in my Instagram and like that little bio part. He has comedian in there, so I don't know if this is oh. all a part of his comic. Okay, I kind of want to meet this guy. <laughs> oh, maybe he has a podcast that we don't know about, and he's laughing about us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, Wait, <laughs> with imagine. my karma, that would happen. <laughs> he's talking about me right now. He's like, "Oh my god, this girl can't take a hint." Like, I literally hinted I'm a serial killer, and she's still talking to me. Like, he's definitely talking about me right now on his podcast. I just wouldn't put it. I wouldn't document to a girl. Like, I wouldn't have it in a text message where she can screenshot that he likes to cut into people's faces <laughs> in his spare time. I personally wouldn't put that out there. Well, I mean, no. I honestly, I think if he was joking, I think that's that's cute. Like it's funny. That's cute. It got Millie. What? You're gonna I, end up married to a surgeon. Oh no 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 no. The telltale sign. <laughs> oh, the telltale God. sign. I want a husband who can inject me with Botox in our kitchen. <laughs> no, no, I'm, oh, I'm like no, for my forehead scared. wrinkles. Like my Stop. my mom, my mom is just turned sixty and has almost no wrinkles. And thank God, like I'm pretty sure I have her skin. It's but yeah, her it's forehead, skin. but f- her forehead wrinkles. And I think from I'm gonna have them her too. Eyebrows in shock. It's because she's married to a Persian man. Okay, but that for is me, for me, it's raising my eyebrows when I do my mascara. Do other girls do this when they do their mascara yeah. in the mirror? They raise their eyebrows and have all these indents in their forehead, and I, I'm definitely yeah. causing myself wrinkles just because I want to have nice lashes on a daily basis. You don't need and to raise I mean, your. I know. <laughs> I never furrow my brows. I actually have amazing control of my forehead that I would like to commend <laughs> myself for. Good for you. You don't need to furrow your brow to use mascara. I tried to. You've been furrowing your brow right now while we're talking. Sorry. (laughs) Everyone feel, I don't want to shame people brow furrowers. (laughs) You can furrow. You're going to wrinkle. You're going to wrinkle. Okay, but it's fine. It's if you want to, I know, but I don't want to like shame wrinkle. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to prevent it, yes, stop furrowing your brow. I mean, everyone should be, every girl over the age of 25 who's not trying to get pregnant or is not pregnant and is not breastfeeding should be on topical retin-A. What's um, that? Because I, you literally I, just described me right now. I just, I it, just it's, When I turned 25, my dermatologist presented me with a tube of, or a prescription for retin-A, which um, I actually shouldn't talk too much about it because it's not my area of expertise. John would actually be able to answer all these questions better than me, but I was told that, well, this is retinoic acid which is used for adult acne but it also prevents fine lines and wrinkles and it increases your cell turnover and oh wait um, this is what millie told me she was using this morning last night no i don't use it in the morning i used it last night yeah, yeah, Millie has an amazing skin regimen, and she hates me so much because I act like a five-year-old when it comes to my skin. I'm just like, I'm going to eat whatever I want and Girl, rub body soap on my it. face and hope it works. Yeah, no, I, see, I knew you no. were still using body soap. Oh, my God. Yeah, I lied no. to Millie this morning because she was trying to interrogate me about my skin because I started breaking out recently. Um, Rightfully so. Well, I think that I'm breaking out. It's very strange because I've... Um, genetically like I always had an irregular period so I started birth control even before I was sexually active at all um to regulate my period so like it used to come like four times a year five times a year like it was very regular and I was always on the same birth like Janelle or what I don't even know what I take but whatever Janelle I think and I'm on the lowest dosage and I recently changed doctors but he prescribed me the same like company of birth control the same lowest dosage but for some reason 
it's affecting me differently i don't know what it is but i'm like breaking yeah. out and it's on my chin which is a sign of like a hormonal change yes. and yes. i'm just like freaking out. i don't know what's happening to my face right now but so but millie's mad at me health cap is on you are definitely this is definitely probably a side effect of your birth control pill um it might not be a good fit for you and the way that i always tell my females going through medications whether they're psychiatric or the birth control ones um it's like it's like finding the right pair of jeans like you have to try on more than a couple in the fitting room until you find the right fit it's really so true and i always felt so lucky because i never had bad side effects from birth control Mm -hmm. but i had this one friend every like pill she tried like all the different types of pills they all either caused weight gain depression uh yeah. hair loss acne um she tried the uva ring she tried like literally yeah. every type of birth control you could think of she tried and every single one had a bad effect on her and like oh that's really hard yeah that's really difficult especially but, with mental health like some of them really cause depression oh they're horrible yeah no it's it, it becomes it, a lot of my patients are on birth control and they don't want to switch their birth control so to combat the side effects of depression and anxiety then they, they come to me to combat that with a medication. Um, but I would say that it would probably be a good gesture for you to go to your dermatologist or go back to your ob and either try a different birth control or get on the Retin-A because that's going to combat it and you, you, do, um, you do get all the benefits, the anti-aging benefits. Um, you do have to stop when you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant or breastfeeding, but, you know, it's, I mean, it's just a magical, magical topical that every woman, I mean, it's the retin-A and the sunscreen is what my husband always says. Like, those are your two most important skincare items. You can forget about all the rest of the fancy skincare Millie's laughing at me right now because all my because friends right. know that I don't use sunscreen. I'm like the last person on earth that still oh, no. bathes in oil when they're in the sun. No. No. I've gotten into I so think... many fights with her. I just, I'm like the sunscreen, uh, sun, sun, sunscreen. <laughs> sunscreen queen. I've yeah. been on that since I was like I, t- 11 or 12. I'm obsessed. <laughs> like, yeah. That's wonderful. Um, That's wonderful. But yeah, we really need to get you on that now. Yeah, Maybe all... we should have John yell at her. I mean, if you hear from him or if you suffer, like how painful Botox is just once, then you'll oh be like, okay, I'll use the topical every day. We should probably have him let you know the consequences of not using sunscreen. Wait, how often do you use retin-A? Nightly. Well, I, I don't right now because, fingers crossed, my husband and I are, you know, we're in family planning mode. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We're, we're still planning. Nothing, you know. Okay. But okay. With, with doctors, you plan way ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you plan too much. But, um, That's so, why I would never marry. I... <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about me. I'm not going to... <laughs> a lot of fun. You're, so, you're so funny. Um, but when I was using Retin-A, I was using it nightly. You can only use it at night because it does make you very sensitive to the sun. You, yeah. you are more likely to suffer a sunburn because your skin is turning over. You're more sensitive to the sun that way. Uh, but it's like, I just, I miss that. You get this like glow to your skin, the texture, the, the way that it looks when you regularly use Retin-A. There's just no... 
I don't use it every night, but that's because I use the Biologique Recherche P50 toner. Oh, I see. Yeah, so, you're doing other stuff too. Yeah, which I l yeah. love, love, love that product. I oh <laughs> wish I was sponsored. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I need to start realizing how old I am and that Stop, I, I should not, actually oh my God, take care of myself. Why are you saying that you're... Okay, I this is not the message <laughs> we're trying to convey to our listeners. We're very young. Thank you. No, but like you're it's good that you're doing 20. preventative stuff. Like, oh yeah, you need to start doing preventative skincare. Of yeah, course, but don't say we're old. No, I definitely don't feel old. Definitely. Twenty-four is not old. I I don't even realize I'm twenty-four majority of the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm eighteen. <laughs> I still feel sixteen most of the time. To be honest with you, I still I slip up, up on my 21. age. <laughs> I feel twelve, <laughs> but also like sixty. Forever. Also, like yeah. I have a very very much like a baby face like i have like chubby cheeks and sometimes i'll slip up on my age and like then when i say my real age people won't believe me they'll be like you're not 24 you're 18 and the i'm best. like i wish <laughs> that's the best that's the that's the thick persian skin i didn't oh, yeah. know that persians we you know we age gracefully because we do have thicker skin which makes recovery from surgery maybe a little bit uh a little bit more challenging but um means that we don't age yeah i've definitely so, had doctors comment on my quote-unquote thick skin yeah I, I i my my surgeon told me he's like oh you're you're thicker skin i'm like well it's because i'm married to john larson he's like oh <laughs> no it actually means you're gonna have a lot of swelling after and he was right oh awesome he was right <laughs> One of the oh. few pluses of being Persian. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> no, yes. It is. Hair, skin, nails. Hey. Mm -hmm. Hair, skin, and nails. Exactly. But we'll, we'll get you taken care of. You just got to get on that retin train. <laughs> just the idea of, like, starting to have, like, a skin regimen gives me anxiety. But I know I have to do it. Like, for my birthday, Millie got me a facial. That she still hasn't used. By I... the way, her birthday was <laughs> in June. <laughs> No, I'm literally, my friends just hate on me all the time because I feel like there's so much more adults than I am when it comes to taking mm -hmm. care of themselves. Like last time I went to a workout was in May. Um, oh, Millie got you. me. <laughs> Millie good for got... you. That 20 year old metabolism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, really. but all my friends keep telling me, they're like, Natalie, your metabolism is going to slow down. You're going to get real fat. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Do, why would you guys wish such horrible things upon me? Like, yeah, the anxiety, the anxiety kicks in even harder as an adult. I mean, I don't work out either, and I'm thin, and I think it's the anxiety. It just it makes up for the cardio. For sure, <laughs> you'll be fine. Does does high you'll anxiety cause for a faster metabolism? I think it does for me. I'm always like shaking my foot when I'm anxious, and like I also I feel like I do have to go to the bathroom more when I'm anxious. So yeah, yeah, that that I in of itself is, is your metabolism. It's it's you're, you're not retaining much. We'll we'll put it that way. <laughs> I'm sure everyone is gonna love this episode. We've talked about so many appetizing things, so many wonderful things. Yeah, really. Well, you know what I didn't realize was uh, I don't know if other women go through this again. I mean, I had to wait until I was 32 for my nose job. I know most women are. You know, able to get their nose jobs earlier. I had to wait. Oh, yeah, in Beverly Hills, we do them sophomore year of high school. Oh, and, and oh, my New father, York, I think it's senior year. Is it senior year? I mean, my father is anti, anti 
plastic surgery, not plastic surgeons. He loves John, like his own son. He even calls him, you know, piss at him. But um, I was not allowed to get a nose job. It was, but I knew I was going to get one one day. And I had no idea, but I lost a ton of weight after my nose job because I just couldn't chew food. I couldn't like eat food like a normal person. Still can't really chew food like I used to. I, I lost a ton of weight after my nose job. So what do you mean? Word of warning, put on some pounds before getting a nose job, anyone who's considering it. You'll lose it. I feel like there's different types of procedures, though, because I never heard anyone else that had, like, that issue. I did have a cousin, though, that had so much swelling that I actually got scared, like, and bruising that I actually got scared when I saw her face. Ooh. Like, it was yeah, frightening. I mean, I a, there's I a lot a of different types of procedures. Oh, okay. I had, I had septo- uh, job. Uh, I did septoplasty, which is, like, mine is the cosmetic procedure just to fix mm-hmm. my... I think I might be the only Persian Jewish female who got <laughs> septoplasty. Mine is rhinoplasty, but I know I most had like no downtime. Like, most people use really? their yeah, deviated well, septum as like an excuse people, for a nose job. Whenever they get surgery, like everyone is always like, "Oh, have some ice cream and like stay in bed." And I'm like, "No, don't have any sugar because that's going to create so much inflammation." It creates so much. So I was just like, like drinking a lot of water and right. like eating healthy and right. I was. I think I'm 50% made of pineapple juice at this point, but I'm so, <laughs> shout out to Dr. Jay Calvert, who did my nose, I mean, he made a phenomenal nose, I even named her Scarlet, she has her own persona now, oh my, my dad's so mad at me that I did a nose job, but I'm like, I would go through it again and again and again, but man, no, it's recovery, oof. Yeah, yeah. My, I'm, I'm lucky. My mom was very supportive of me getting my breasts done, and like sometimes, like my friends always make fun of me that like I don't like to be clothed. So like they're like, I've never seen someone who like undresses as fast as you do as soon as they walk into their home. But like <laughs> whenever I walk around the house like basically naked, like my mom just looks at me. She's like, I'm so happy you did your breasts. Like I'm so happy that oh, you feel confident. comfortable in your skin. And I was just very lucky right? that my my mom was very supportive because everyone should feel comfortable in their skin. Oh. If you're comfortable with smaller breasts and you have huge breasts, go get the reduction. You know, don't feel uncomfortable right. doing it. And if it's the right. other way around, like like I was, like everyone should feel comfortable. I mean, my husband's um, main focus is going to be. I mean, he's really <laughs> he's really good at boob jobs. He's 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 like the boob guy, right? And the nipple master is what they call me. <laughs> ironically, ironically for me, I never grew those body parts. Like they got lost in the mail, <laughs> the way to me. They didn't happen. And I just, I know that like, I'm never going to want that because I just, I'm, I don't think that I can handle the, like, especially after going through no surgery. I'm like, I'm good for a while. Oh my God. <laughs> my, my boob job was the most painful experience of my painful, entire life. Right? So, so painful when you get out of the uh, surgery. Number one, you can't lift your arms for a whole week. Yeah. So for a whole week, someone had to shower me, but they could only shower my bottom half because you're not allowed to take off the sweater that you wore to the surgery. They, like, put bandages all over you and then the sweater on top. That's fucking scary. So for a whole week, someone has to wash your bottom half. Someone has to lift you out of bed because it feels like an elephant is sitting on your chest and you can't get out of bed by yourself. Someone has to come bring you food and probably feed you. Um, It was so painful, but... 
honestly for me was extra painful because i didn't take any of my pain medication you didn't no because they gave me oxycodone and i took one pill the first day that i got home and i was so nauseous for the entire day that like breathing made me want to throw up any type of movement made me want to throw up they didn't give you zofran with it no only oxycodone and i threw the whole bottle of it in the garbage i was like i'd rather be in pain than be this nauseous it was so horrible i'm sure you did no no you okay public service announcement to everyone that's listening if you're getting narcotic based medications if you're getting the percocet if you're getting norco or anything like that you will get nauseous especially if you're persian because we get every side effect in the book you just read the side effect and we're getting it you're going to get nauseous you need to ask your doctor to give you zofran with it and they will. All you have to do is ask for it. Um, in John's case, being married to a Persian woman, he just automatically makes sure that there's nothing left undone with his patients because he doesn't want to get called at 3 o'clock in the morning because of nausea. Yeah. So I feel like his patients are so lucky. Like, they're so lucky that you're there to tell him all these things about mental health and just being a woman in general and all these side effects. Like, his patients are going to be very I, lucky. I think it's any doctor who deals with the Persian population heavily has a very good understanding of side effects because every Persian will come in and say, I had every side effect on that pamphlet from the pharmacist. Dr. Calvert, um, again, my, my nose surgeon, his um, his grandmother is Persian and he, about 20 to 30% of his patients are Persian. So he was like the same thing, like, I'm going to give you Percocet with the Zofran with Ativan. I'm covering every side effect <laughs> that's going to come along after your surgery, you know, and call us if you need anything. And we, you know, I mean, I had my own concierge plastic surgeon here with me and my mom was taking care of me, but, ah, oh my God, guys, if you're going to be on Norco or Percocet, please get your Zofran because nausea, there's nothing worse than nausea. In yeah, I know that now um, that it's too late, but... <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was oh not a fun gosh, experience, but it was definitely oh, worth no. it. Worth it, right? That confidence. Like, oh, yeah. I just, like, I just walk around. I feel like a queen. Like, I was confident before, but I had no idea that Scarlett would make me feel like this. <laughs> I love that you Here named I her. <laughs> I named her. She had her first sunburn a couple weeks ago. We're going to have a birthday party for her on her oh, anniversary every year. So I mean, funny. I'm just kind of ridiculous like that, but... I'm so glad that you're enjoying the results of your surgery. That's that's really good. Oh, very much so. Really <laughs> I finally feel comfortable in a bathing suit. There you go, girl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I am a 12-year-old boy, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and everyone should be okay with, like, whatever they have. Yeah. As long as they're happy with it, like, all the power yeah. to you. Just be happy. Live your life. Fix what you want to fix. And just accept, you know, the rest of it. And that is happiness yeah uh, like i think right now um another thing that like leads into mental health and this generation um at home i have like the israeli tv because my mom's israeli so she has to like have her israeli news on all the time and uh yesterday there was this whole segment on girls like a lot of israeli girls now and it's not just in israel i my friend that is from ukraine said it's also very big in ukraine right now um girls like 18 20 are getting a lot of fillers to look like Mm. instagram filters because they want to look like these filters in real life they want to look extra symmetrical they want their cheekbones to pop out they want their lips to be done and it's just this insane amount of fillers they're 
retouching literally every part of their body from head to toe Oh, that's so and I'm just like the that's toll not, that social so media is taking on these girls. Like that's I feel like oh my God. I think they need to go seek out more psychiatrists more than they need to seek out more surgeons. Or psychologists. Yeah. yeah. We we talk about that all the time. Um, so John's attitude um, and Dr. Calvert's attitude is, you know, there's a line that you know there's appropriate surgery appropriate surgical candidate inappropriate surgical candidate I agree with you I'll be scrolling through Instagram and I follow a lot of fashion accounts and beauty accounts because well I'm very feminine and I enjoy that Um, but it's actually kind of revolting how everyone is turning into the same face and Mm -hmm. it's all the same filler and majority of the Persian girls are just looking more and more like Kim Kardashian every day yeah what's that one blogger the one you showed me with the nice hair oh Negan Mizraeli yeah I love her I'm sorry (laughs) well okay but what did she do oh well yeah her the way she looked before and the way she looks now but she she did it in a very natural way she doesn't look scary when I look at her I don't Mm -hmm. like go whoa you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but some girls literally look like Kim Kardashian and it freaks me out what does John think does he have any like so so John's opinion like John I wish she was here. <laughs> yeah, no, he and he. We need to do another episode. Yeah, you guys can. He loves. Um, he loves talk. I mean, this is his passion. Is first of all helping women feel men and women feel wonderful in the bodies and the faces that they're in, but also embracing it in a healthy manner. And I think it helps that he comes from the Midwest. He comes from Michigan, and he's very grounded and very humble, and um, appreciates real beauty so like you know between like the audrey hepburns and the sophia lorenz and the current instagram models of of the world like he's he's gonna say the audrey hepburns and the sophia lorenz are the goal you know and that um you're the goal is not to make a woman look like audrey hepburn or sophia loren but it's it's that there's individual beauty and when you compare those two faces to one another they're very different and very beautiful in their own unique ways um and that's what I love about him is, is you know, I'm 32 and um, he, you know, he is very good about reminding me with my wish list of things to do in the future, what is realistic and what is healthy and what is not unhealthy. Um, he really does draw the boundaries out for patients and you know the problem with getting filler so young is i i do i do listen when um. he talks and when, when he shares his experiences is that um you have young skin and you're stretching it out with filler underneath and that filler dissolves after a while you know whether yeah. it's nine months three months depending on the type of product whether it's restylane juvederm or some you know whatever formulation of juvederm even after 18 months the longest lasting filler it does dissolve down well guess what you're stretching out that skin you're stretching out that skin there's swelling there's scar tissue that's going to form and you're essentially going to just have saggy skin and you have to keep injecting filler over time if you start that at a young age you're setting yourself up actually for for you know a problematic future if you start at the right age and you age gracefully 
but nicely with the help of a good plastic surgeon, you're going to have great results and you're going to be much happier. But if it becomes an obsession and your goal is to look like something completely outside of the line of what your beauty is, that's unhealthy. Um, yeah, I'm really have, scared for the next yeah. generation because like of how they're going to age because they start at like 16, I think, some people. Oh, yeah. And like oh, their yeah. face is going to be so puffy and bloated. <laughs> I feel um, like everyone's just gonna look like a brat doll. They're just gonna have insanely large yeah, heads. I, I don't you can't like start that, that young. I don't like that look, and it's unhealthy to be honest with you. Thinking that, um, you know, what I'm really glad that I chose to do my nose job when I was 32 because I was really ready for it. And I, mind you, I didn't want to know anything about the actual surgery. I actually had I told Dr. Calvert, I don't want to know if it's open. I don't want to know if it's closed. Tell my mom. Tell my husband. Um, They'll fill me in on it later if I need to know. But I was in a mental place where I was ready to embrace that. And I think that if I wasn't ready to embrace that, both physically and both mentally, then um, I think I would have had a really bad depression right after the nose job because the recovery, just like the rough augmentation, is such a challenge and you question yourself. You're like, why did I do this to myself? Was it worth it? So for females that are starting to try to change themselves at that young of an age, you don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. Your face isn't done growing. I mean, really, you shouldn't be getting a nose job before the age of 18 because your face is still growing and shifting. Yeah, like what you're going to, you know, it doesn't make sense to start that young. And it's, um, I, I can just imagine the amount of psychiatric issues that they do end up with down the line, which end up coming into my office. Um, I end up having to treat, and it's not fun to see women like that suffer, um, getting into their oh. own heads, and really because of social media. Um, wait, yeah. we're getting kicked out of our studio. Wait, one second. Oh, no. One second, one okay. second. Sure, no problem. Yeah, just hold on one second. Hi, sorry to interrupt, but your reservation is up. Do you need more time? Oh, yeah, we're just going to end this, like, in, like, two minutes, and then we'll get out. Okay. So we're officially getting kicked out for going over our reservation time. Like a true Persian party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, thank you so, so much for coming on and letting us interview you and answering all these questions. Yeah, it was so interesting hearing from you, and we're so happy that we finally got to have you on because we've been talking to you for a while. Um <laughs> And really, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all of your insight with us. It was thank very you informative. Thank so much for having me. No, thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies, for everything that you do, for all the inspiration that you put out there. And for any of your listeners, if you have questions or you're interested in reaching out for help, um, there are psychiatrists in your area. If you want to reach me, you can always email me at resultpsychiatry at gmail.com. Um, I also work outpatient with TMS Health Solutions. If you want to Google that, it's TMS Tom Mary Valley Health Solutions. We'll put, the, we'll put this on. We'll put all these links in the description sounds, and everything. That sounds good. Um, and don't be shy to ask for help, listeners, because uh, help is out there and it can make a difference in your life. And thank God for Persian Girl Podcast for making that possible. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. All right, take care. You have a wonderful day. You too. Okay, bye. Okay, to all our listeners um, who are still listening, 
into Honestly, we season could keep two. Going. <laughs> we could keep going, but we actually have to go. Uh, yeah, we're getting kicked out, but we love you guys. Um, thank you for all the DMs, and thank you for sharing with your friends, and we're thank gonna you try for to all the support. We're going to try to get better responding on time. Yeah, and just keep listening and keep sharing and subscribe, review, blah, 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 rate, all of that bullshit. All um, that good shit. <laughs> <laughs> and until next episode, Khudafiz. Khudafiz. I can't I my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I need to choose any profession. <laughs> As things change, other things stay the same. Like Ohio Lottery scratch-offs. From small tickets to big tickets. From bright colors to flashy themes. There's something for everyone. Big wins make big stories. But it's the millions of small wins every day that make life-changing memories. And your biggest win will come by following the state-recommended safety protocols during this special holiday season. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.